we're talking about John Williams and Quincy, and it's a little intimidating to think, what is going to be my legacy? If we're well, talking about these guys, you know, it's like, well, that's too much for me. I'm, I just, I'm just going to put food on the table and that's going to be it. I'm, I'll be happy with that. But... You know, it, it, it's all relative, I guess. Well, that's where I, yeah, I definitely don't frame the question as what will be your legacy because we have no idea. We that that one can't control that, and there's plenty of artists throughout history who died, and if you ask them one day before their death what's their legacy, they would say, "No one's ever heard of me." Is this like a season premiere because we <gasps> had a little break? Yes, it is. And so oh my like, god! So wait, are we gonna do this every year, like after a year? Because oh the last one was a year already. That's the name of the episode. The one we recorded here? No, the last one. The last one ever. The last one. Last one period. ever. <laughs> last one. Period. So this is like post credits. <laughs> this is a new episode of Brushes and Kids, and it's a special one because we are together. That's true. Physically in person. Yeah. In Big Bear. Yeah. You can possibly hear a car horn because, or like people in the background. I don't really know how well this mic. I don't know. Uh, you want does me to distance. close the... No, 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 no. no. Okay. We need the breeze. We're currently in a log cabin house type place, which we have done once before. I don't remember what we talked about on that one, but I just remember sitting just on the take, floor. Take a, you know, take life easy. Relax. Yeah, well, we're once again in Big Bear. We booked this trip months ago, and then, um, as it turned out, we arrived the day Stray Gods came out, so it's been a little distracting, because mm -hmm. I've been seeing all the, like... Semi-vacation, because you've been checking things here and there. I 6% of the time. I had to okay. say a 94%. Okay. Um, Maybe. I had one call, and I had a few little things to review, um, but um, it's been no, very chill. No, but I'm proud chill. of you. I'm proud of you. This is the first time, actually, you take this many days. It's four days, right? So yeah. So we'll leave like, tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Is today Sunday? I think so. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You have no sense of time. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, no, it's it's really, um, this place is so perfect for this. You know, mm -hmm. it's pretty close. It's pretty convenient. You can spend just as long as it takes to drive here as you can to Santa Monica in bad traffic. And um, you really do feel like you're completely outside of the world. You know, we're, yeah. we're really in a remote location and got to spend the day walking canvas around the lake and she chased all the lizards every oh, lizard yeah. that exists she chased <laughs> um nobody got killed a couple got close yeah very 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 i no, think she of, never touched any i think of her as a pretty incompetent hunter but she got <laughs> she's chained she's yeah, not but, yeah you guys just to be clear she's not like free we don't trust her so she's always uh on a leash yeah and she has to have one of those like T toothy collars because she'll pull so hard mm -hmm. that uh, if you don't have one of those that restrains her, oh, yeah. uh, she'll rip your arm off yeah, or she'll just escape. You probably have to give her some credit because I'm pretty sure she will be 
a better hunter without that? I don't know. <laughs> Seeing her chase flies at home. Um, pretty useless. But anyway, so before this trip, we were we went to a series of concerts and we were talking about um, reflecting on them in our whatever next episode that ends up being. Um, so that is now. Yeah. So the first was we went and saw John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl. Nice. It was like... My five millionth time yeah. seeing him, but it, probably your fifth or sixth or something. Oh, you've, I don't even know anymore. You've been I am a respectable so, number of times now. I am. I feel so. I feel like a brat now. Like if I don't go, you know, we'll be so sad. <laughs> well, that's definitely how I feel. Does that make me a brat? <laughs> yes, you are. Oh my god. <laughs> but no, no, that's rain. Oh. It's starting to rain outside. I thought I heard footsteps like a little squirrel on the roof, yeah. but then I realized, nope, it's starting to come down. Wow. Well, that's new. Mm-hmm. What is this? Sky crying. <laughs> yes. Reminds me home. Aww. Oh, my God. So, yeah, we saw John Williams at the Bull, and um, he's 91. This was his, they said it was like his 46th year or something like that, 45th year at the Bowl since his first time ever conducting there. Can't something remember. like that, I think. A long time. Um, and it's become an annual staple. He can sell out three nights in a row, which is unheard of. Honestly, I think he could do concerts every, I don't know, three months and it will be the same. <laughs> Very possibly. So a few weeks after Williams, we also then went and saw... Uh, a 90th birthday celebration concert for Quincy Jones, who I think, sadly, is in pretty poor health because he wasn't there. They didn't even really attempt to acknowledge, like, where he was or why he wasn't there. That was actually my only real complaint about that show is they just kind of played music they knew people would like, but they didn't really tell a story about Quincy Jones. And I Mm. thought... I thought, you know, a bunch of these songs are not are songs where he did like the orchestral arrangement. Yes. And the audience doesn't really know what that means unless someone explains it. Uh-huh. And they didn't. Um obviously they people know him for the Michael Jackson stuff, which of course they played a handful of. And I thought that those singers did amazingly. Mm. That, you know, it was very good. Nailing the sound without sounding like some um birthday party Michael Jackson impersonator, you know. <laughs> Um, oh really, really God. good. That's harsh. <laughs> I'm saying that that would be the bad version. Right. Like, that would be... And that's how it normally is. Someone who yeah, just yeah, sounds yeah. like they're just some cheap mm, knockoff. Of course. Um, but anyway, it raised the question of, you know, these concerts basically both individually stood as monuments to what these two musicians and composers will be leaving behind. John Williams, of course, has this unbelievable legacy of film music that he's he's leaving behind and themes and and um as most people would say the kind of soundtrack to their life you know these it's not just music people know but it's music from such seminal films that it's core to people's lives not just childhood you know there's people there's countless millions of people that are like you know, I learned, I learned 
compassion and and empathy from ET or or I you know Star Wars made me want to grow up and live an adventurous life and all this like people internalize these in such meaningful ways and his music is so wrapped into it that that is his legacy it's just unavoidable and so anyway it made me wonder about this idea of what we leave behind and what as an artist we hope to leave behind you know i think in john williams case he's after a long time managed to embrace the idea that all these film scores and themes are going to be his legacy but for the longest time he always seemed kind of embarrassed about it because he wanted to leave behind something that he would regard as more serious he wanted his legacy to be you know a great violin concerto or a symphony or something because that's the era he grew up in where that's what real composers did film music was commercial work it's how you paid the bills which i always thought was sad does he feel like that still these days um considering how much performing he's been doing and how much he seems to enjoy doing Slower. it that i feel like he's more or less grown out of that like the fact that he did he released an album of the vienna him conducting the vienna vienna, vienna philharmonic in sort of a best of his career mm -hmm. um that was up in this past year's grammys mm -hmm. um and he did that album called across the stars of violin solo reworkings with orchestra with uh and sophie mutter the violinist that he's kind of really been fixated on lately and so these are all celebrations of his film music i would think i would think that he wouldn't do those things if he right. was sort of like oh this shit again yeah no, but i don't sure. know i mean i think on some level he really can't let it go um but he did do and speaking of quincy jones he did do that promo video recently in honor of Like it was like Henry Mancini's birthday or something. Like I think it was the, in, I think it was the hundredth anniversary of Mancini's birth. Um, and they did a recording of Peter Gunn at Warner Brothers, the Peter Gunn theme that Williams was the original pianist on, and he and Herbie Can Hancock both played piano. And there was like this all-star L.A. big band, and Quincy conducted. Apparently, you know, it seemed like he was maybe struggling a bit because they definitely don't feature him much in the video, which was again one of those sad like. I think he's sadly got probably not much time left, uh, which is wild. I mean, the guy is the most successful record producer of all time. Um, you know, just beyond a visionary. But anywho, so what is your answer to that question? What question? What do you want to leave behind? What do you hope is your legacy as an artist? You know, that's what... Did I not say that out loud? Did I merely think it? I think you were lost in the rain. Um, in a moment. Maybe. <sighs> like if Williams has this interesting kind of weird relationship with what he's going to be leaving behind. But he is leaving something behind. That's the thing. Like his legacy, he is immortal. As long as there are people sure. listening to music, you know, I just can't fathom a world where he won't be celebrated on a level comparable to the greats from history, Beethoven and Mozart mm -hmm. and Stravinsky and... I don't think that is a little big question for me because I don't think I'm in a position to be to think about this is going to be my legacy. I think I'm a little too green to think about that. But I probably should start 
analyzing a little bit more what I do with my art and what would mm. I what do I want to leave behind. Yeah, I mean that is actually what if you what would be your ideal setting aside if you think you're where you want to be. Yeah, I I think many 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 artists out there are in the same position as me, which is try to like live out of what you do, make a income from your art regardless of if it's gonna affect people or not. But I I'm gonna say that I've got you know during my career I say cosplayer and everything all the things I do and put out there somehow reach people that makes them write to me nice messages about I don't know you were my inspiration and I started painting and I started uh sewing and and look what I did to my daughter uh this was based on your costume or you know things like that um and uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe without realizing, I am already leaving something behind. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I've seen the proof of that. You've shown me those messages of people. Do you remember the little girl that had the scarecrow cosplay based on my cosplay? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it was very adorable. Twisted, they, sent, uh, they sent me pictures, and she, I think she won a contest and everything. They gave her money, and yeah, it was very sweet. Yeah, I get I get occasional messages along those lines. Like, I started learning the cello after I played Journey, you know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, but that's, that's kind of like... Which is not like, you know, we're talking about John Williams and Quincy, and... It's a little intimidating to think, what is going to be my legacy? If we're well, talking about these guys, you know, it's like, whoa, that's too much for me. I'm, I just, I'm just going to put food on the table and that's going to be it. I'm, I'll be happy with that. But it's all relative, I guess. Well, that's where I, yeah, I definitely don't frame the question as what will be your legacy because we have no idea we, that, that one can't control that. And there's plenty of artists throughout history who died... And if you ask them one day before their death, what's their legacy? They would say, no one's ever heard of me. Mm -hmm. And now we hold them up as one of the greats of all time. Oh, you know, yeah. Bizet died before Carmen was performed and had no idea that he would be considered the the composer of one of the most popular and yeah. enduring operas of all time. And, you know, Bach was known kind of regionally, m mostly as an organist. And, you know, competent composer of masses and things like that. And had students, excellent contrapuntalists and that, all that sort of thing. But he wasn't world famous mm -hmm. um, the I way he the is now. the most popular in art was Van Gogh. Like, everybody knows his work. It's very iconic. But his life was misery. <laughs> well, yeah. That's a whole other discussion of, <laughs> like, healthy emotional life right. and whatnot as an artist but mm -hmm. but yeah that's the thing so I think I think what you hope your legacy to be and maybe that's maybe you go I don't care I don't have any I've certainly met folks like that with mm -hmm. what you just said of I just want to provide for myself or provide for my family mm -hmm. and I don't really care what else happens that's certainly yeah acceptable and normal and 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 for composers and painters and every other kind of artist, that's the best that they could hope to achieve most of the time, you know. Just because earning a living is already 
something that very few artists manage anyway. Oh, yes. And, and composers both. Like, yes. The vast majority, if there's 100,000 composers in the world, it's probably more than that, but let's say there's 100,000 composers, you know, 99.9% of them are not earning a decent living off of just their composing. It's a rare, incredibly lucky thing. And thank God for so-called media composing as a way to make that marginally easier. You know, I'm not just out there making albums or writing symphonies and hoping for the best. And right. I'm totally at the mercy of orchestras to want to play it or radio stations and all that kind of hoping things go viral, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. At least having employment in the form of right. video games and films not only gives me something resembling a paycheck, mm -hmm. but... Um, or like a salary, I mean. Yeah, that but is it a reaches little, people. Yeah, of course. And also it affects the... I think it affects the quality. Just to try to make something, a piece or an album or a painting that you put a lot of work in it and hoping for the best that in social media gets a little bit of attention. That reminds me of this uh, quote that we saw yesterday, uh, the... The, the Jim Carrey? Yes. It was like the graduation of uh, what? Yeah, the school? Maharishi um, University. He um, uh, spoke in some commencement ceremony about 10 years ago. I wrote it down. The need for acceptance makes you invisible. Aha, aha. That was, that was very nice. I liked it. Yeah, there were a lot of gems. There were definitely some things in there um, that read a little bit hallmark card to me well, i mean you know. but you know there's students and it was a good message i liked it yeah well sure no i think i think a general attitude of optimism and a general attitude of serving humanity like one of the things that i really liked is he seemed to take seriously the idea that bringing um comfort to people yes. by, by making them laugh yes is an actual service to them yes and it's easy to think oh you know there's a scientist who's trying to cure cancer or there's a, uh, you know, um, academics or, or philosophers or economists or politicians or whatever who are, who are you know, actively able to kind of pull the levers of power in the world in the hopes of really affecting change. And, and, and what am I? I'm just a clown who makes you laugh. Right. You know, and, but I definitely, I definitely liked that his sentiment recognized most of those people are pretty much only hurting the world. <laughs> And he's actually someone who is helping it. Case in point, I did a lovely um, podcast the other day with the actor from Final Fantasy 16 who said he was a kid and he uh, saw... Uh, what's his name? Ben Starr. What is his character? He plays Clyde. Ah. Uh, Cl Clyde? Clive. I think it's... I'm suddenly blanking which one it is. No worries. Um, he was saying that when he was a kid in 94... Ace Ventura and The Mask came out right on top uh, of each other. Yeah. He was like, I saw Jim Carrey and I just saw a superhuman performer. And it changed his life. And now he's, you know, he's an actor out there uh -huh. trying to make the world better through his performance, you know. Yeah. And, and um, anyway, just I, I just like the idea that it's so easy to dismiss it. You know, it's I, I see people say that in video games a lot where they're like, um, you know, we're not saving the world. We're just making video games. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, yes, you because don't want to overinflate your true, ego or true, anything. But, but you, your background is different from 
probably 95% of the video game industry uh, companies just they're not most of the games are not as you have gotten so many messages from Journey alone oh you mean yeah like my background I, 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 I thought you meant my yeah, childhood um, no no background like in the industry yeah right itself. right no it's true I mean I, I by dumb luck I have scored games that uh, have an atypical almost like spiritual quality exactly because you had that and you had you but, know the impact that a game can have but these people well I don't, I'm not actually pointed at anybody in in particular but in general I think the they are right to say well we just make video games because it's true yeah but I don't think that you should like they should be dismissing that I I did a game that's true I did a game um, with double fine um, that was a an Xbox connect game that was called connect party um, and I remember the audio director at the time a guy named Brian Min who uh, has since then created a cool USB typewriter company called QWERTY, uh, or something like that, QWERTY Keys. or Anyway, look up Brian Min and his cool typewriter, like analog, but mm -hmm. USB-powered thing. I think they're so cool. Anyway, he was the audio director at Double Fine at the time, and we did this Xbox Connect game called Connect Party. And I remember Tim Schafer saying to me that the idea behind this game was he, he just wanted to make a game that he could play with his kid that didn't make her cry. <laughs> and um, all of his games were way too adult, like his main kind of, you know, Grim Fandango kind right. of games. Um, and his daughter was a little kid. And so they created a, you know, using the Xbox Connect where your the camera's looking at you. And, it, and it's just like silly environments, you know. And that was where they asked me, oh, can you write music that sounds like... A 70s kung fu movie and now it has to sound like you're underwater and now it has to be this because it's just all these environments mm -hmm. and i remember brian saying after the game came out that they got a message from a school or a camp or something like that i think in australia that was for young kids that had pretty severe sort of uh what we might call neurodivergence but you know learning disabilities or mm. they were on the spectrum and, and found socializing very difficult and they said that you know the default position for these kids was to find communication cumbersome but that when they turn on this game and they could all stand in front of it together and see themselves like in a silly kung fu uh -huh. environment something about that unlocked their ability to communicate more easily and they he said that the double fine email got this note from a teacher that was like this game has helped some of our kids so much you can't imagine and this was supposed to be just a silly thing yeah. that, you know, and I remember the Al Lowe told me the same when I got hired to do the Leisure Suit Larry remake. <laughs> and, he, and, you know, I was like, he, you know, he said, you know, people might um, look at, you know, the kind of games you've done, like Journey, and go, that's where the real stuff is. But he goes, you know, Leisure Suit Larry came out in 1987. He goes, I've gotten somewhere in the neighborhood of 50,000 fan letters. Um, wow. he, had, he had kept track and a lot in the early days they were all by hand physical yeah. letters well, that's cool and um, I'm a sucker for that stuff yeah yeah and he and he took them all to heart and he said the number of messages that he got over the years that were like you know I'm 40 now you know it's like it's 19 it's 2000 and uh, now I'm you know I'm 30 which means I was a teenager when Leisure Suit Larry came out. And some 
kids bond with their dad by throwing a baseball in the backyard, but I bonded with my dad by trying to solve the puzzles and laughing together playing Leisure Suit Larry. And he was like, I got so many notes like that over the years where people were like, you know, especially father dies or something like that mm -hmm. happens and they go, mm -hmm. playing this game makes me remember the, those good times. And it's it, I cherish it. And it's because you look at the face of it and you're like, it's a game where the goal is to get laid. Um, <laughs> that's the whole point. Yes. Um, but... But it's not. That's the thing. Mm. And people kind of make it what it is, you know, they, they make it right. for themselves, whatever they want it to be. Mm -hmm. And something really superfluous can be really meaningful and really um, touching. So it's, it's easy. You look at a John Williams and like, yes, OK, he's written music for E.T. and Star Wars and never mind the more, you know, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List. Oh, my. Yeah. You know, these really, really like life alteringly beautiful and affecting and haunting films. Um, and it's easy to go, well, of course he's reached people. Of course he's changed lives. Look at those movies. Look at the music he wrote. And you know, that the immolation scene from Schindler's List alone has got to be one of the most haunting marriages of music and film ever. So of course he's going to have that. But it's like, well, you know, Jim Carrey has also changed lives. Absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, I, and I loved that, just to take it back to why you brought him up, that, yeah. that quote of... Um, Trying to please others. That's why I was like, in your fantasy, what would the legacy be? It's not really, oh, I want to be loved by all or whatever, because that is exactly what I think he's talking about uh -huh, there. Uh -huh. You know, it's like, that's never going to happen. It's, be, it's lucky to be known by anybody uh, if you're an artist, you know, to have your work mean something to even one person. Exactly. Although I do always think of that Simpsons the Lisa doll. Yeah, the, the the what is it called? Lisa, Lisa Lionheart. Lionheart. Yeah, <laughs> if we just reach that one little girl, this will all be worth it. And she says, "Yeah, especially if that girl pays fifty thousand dollars for that doll." <laughs> I always love that line so much. But oh, no. but yeah, it's but it is <laughs> but true. But the though. sentiment is true. The yeah. sentiment is true. If I had only ever gotten a single email from somebody that was like, "Journey really helped me when I was in a tough time." It's crazy to me I've gotten more than one note like that because that's a big deal yeah. to me. Like to be helpful to someone during a hard period, someone yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. I couldn't put a price on that. But I don't know what that means as far as legacy because at some point, sadly, but sadly but not. I don't like it when we talk about the tragedy of someone dying in their 90s who's leaving behind this incredible legacy of work. It's hard for me to find that as a tragedy. I'm like, death is inevitable. They've done about as well as any human life can can right. can go, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but but nonetheless, when John Williams is, it will be sad when he's finally gone. Hopefully, that's last year at the bowl. He said, "I guess I better live to a hundred if you're all going to be this nice to me." And oh, I'm going to hold yes, him to it. I remember. Yeah, but um, let's say he does live to a hundred. So ten years from now, the I'm hoping they'll keep those bowl concerts going as a in memory of John Williams. Mm -hmm. You know, and it'll never be the same because there's something about being in the room with him or, or in the same oh, for sure. venue and being like, that guy wrote all that. And it was just like this year felt like kind of overwhelming. You know, they did Superman and Star Wars and Indiana Jones and E.T. and Jurassic Park and in, uh, what else? Um, the Olympics. AI. They didn't do AI. I wish. No, wait, uh, what? He didn't do AI? I mean, he wrote this. I'm saying at the bowl. Um, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, of course he did AI, but I'm saying that's a, he never does that one at the bowl. Really? I'm, no, it's not a crowd pleaser. That movie was a 
was only kind of a mildly successful, and the score is oh very sub, sub, subdued, and he plays all the big flashy pieces, you know. Mm-hmm. Yoda's theme is about... If Yoda's theme wasn't attached to Star Wars, that would be another one that doesn't get played, be, mm-hmm. even though because it's similarly so kind of understated. It's, f- it's fucking beautiful. I love that theme so much, and I'm glad every time he does it. But anyway, it's all tangent. The point is... Those concerts, I assuming they keep it going after he's he's done, oh yeah, it will be a little embodiment of what his legacy is. They 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 they, they already are, but they it's are. hard to it's hard to know that for sure while he's still around. You know, legacy sort of requires you to die. It's true. Um, seemingly, I don't know if that's actually technically accurate, but it would seemingly be the case. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, but what about you? Um. You know, one of the most beautiful sentiments I ever witnessed was when Bob Townsend arranged a concert around film scores for which Drew Struzan had been the poster artist. Uh-huh. And so it was it was it, it was a seemingly random collection of film music except they all had in common the poster artist of Drew Struzan. Right. And Drew was there. Uh-huh. And you could feel how emotional it was to see a concert at Royce Hall with a big orchestra and a packed audience. They're celebrating him, including they showed his personal fine art in a video montage and stuff. And, and, you know, they really they gave him a full career retrospective. And he got up at the end and spoke just a few words of gratitude. He he wasn't part of the show. It was all just in his honor. And he was in Mm -hmm. the audience the whole time until the very end. And he got up and he said, honestly, I've just been trying to put things out into the world that maybe make it a little bit better place. And or. A similar sentiment that I love is um, that Ken Levine says all the time that I love is he he says, um, rather than running around and trying to tell people how they ought to be or getting super worried thinking about politics and things about like, how do we build a more perfect world? Mm -hmm. He says, what if you just today tried to make one person's suffering a little less? Yeah. Whatever that means, that can mean a quarter to a homeless person. Yeah. It, but it's something. Just do something. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it's bigger than that. But if you did nothing, the quarter is an improvement over nothing. Mm-hmm. So something to just. So that's that's always. I try to. I try to make that. Like of course, I care a lot about particularly interactive music. You know, Stray Gods is a big testament to that. Yeah. Um, and all my journey and flow and you know all of it is all about like i think there's an art form here that is developing and it's exciting to be kind of there at the birth of it you know it feels like this is must this must be what it felt like to be in paris 120 years ago when impressionism was first coming and <laughs> there was like this handful of painters who were experimenting with mm-hmm. this new approach and it kind of feels like that in video games to me there's this handful of composers that are trying to f- figure out how can we make music that dances like real music has always done, and yet the player, the audience, is somehow driving it. And there's all these different ways you can approach it. And so if, you know, if I could have some knowledge, quote-unquote, that this work I'm doing will somehow improve that well, art form... If, you know, like leave it better than I found it. Right, right. That would be my fantasy. I'm pretty sure you're the first one who's done a game like Stray Gods ever. I obviously don't know. I'm not an expert, but 
I'm pretty sure that you're the pioneer of that. <laughs> well, if that gets to be if that <laughs> if that gets to be a thing in a few years. That will be a big thing for you. Honestly, the only thing that would make it a thing is if this game turns out to be a huge hit and other people go, ooh, we want some of that action. Because <laughs> it was so much work that yeah. I could see people going, that's all well and good, but that's a lot of music to oh, write. Oh, yeah, yeah. For... Yeah, I saw you softwareing a lot. It was all over the place. Roller coaster. Like, you, <laughs> so excitement and also suffering and all-nighters and lots of managing and paperwork and stuff and yeah. <laughs> yeah but no finally it's out there and i hope that many people get to enjoy it because it's really oh yeah i hope so nice. too mm -hmm. in any case the point being that um if i can kind of leave music or specifically video game music somehow improved or better than i than it was when i started That's enough for me. And maybe I won't even achieve that. And I think I you've will... done it already. No, I don't think so. I'm, there's a handful of composers that are, you know, we're all trying similar things. And um, it, it does feel like as a group, we're maybe helping push the boulder uphill. But um, I don't know. I'm hesitant to give myself much credit for anything. I feel like I've just barely gotten started. I'm, honestly, But... I'm basing this comment on, like, if you die tomorrow... I know people are going to still listen to your music. If I died tomorrow, I think there might be a few years where it's still heard, but all things kind of eventually fade away, and um, I don't think it would take long, to be just bluntly honest. I'm not trying to be, <laughs> be self-deprecating. I just look at... There are composers that I look at that I consider heroes of mine, like George Delarue. How many people know who George Delarue is in 2023? He's an Oscar-winning composer who also died, like, effectively while conducting in oh, a session. Oh, that guy. Um, I didn't know who you were talking about. Yeah, a French composer who yeah. was really big in the, in the 70s and 80s and yeah. early 90s. And, What a and, uh, fucking... I was going to say awesome, but iconic way to die. Oh, yeah. No, he looked at Bernard Herrmann dying in the hotel room after finishing Taxi Driver and was like, hold my beer. I'm going to go down right in front of the orchestra. Wow. But, um, but yeah, no, George Eller was an example of like somebody. I mean, for God's sake, there's a lot of young composers now in universities that barely know who Goldsmith is. And Goldsmith <laughs> was way more famous in his time. I mean, Goldsmith was always considered... You had the, the two greatest composers were always Williams and Goldsmith. And, uh -huh. and, and you know, the, the general sentiment was Williams is the kind of the people's composer. Yes. And Goldsmith is the composer's Compos composer. Of composers, yes, I remember. Um, that's a common, and it's not inaccurate, you know, because Williams is known for catchy melodies from major blockbuster films. And Goldsmith scored mostly kind of shitty movies um, <laughs> with a few classics. Um, Alien and Patton and, you know, Star Trek and Rudy and Mulan and Planet of the Apes. But, you know, did hundreds of crap. But he always wrote such great scores. And so that's, you know, he becomes like this, he becomes this scavenger hunt for composers to discover his work. And maybe mm -hmm. as long as there's composers, there's going to be some little cult following of Goldsmith uh, fans. But, but Williams will be adored by billions or hundreds of millions for I, I can't fathom I can't fathom his music ever ceasing to matter to people. It's hard to picture. If if people still in this day care about Beethoven, 
why would they not care about Williams? Um, you know, because even as the movies fade into obscurity and like, let's say Star Wars truly does stop being a thing, uh, people will still continue to discover it and it's so timeless. So anyway, but I don't know. I don't, I'm not, almost no one achieves, I mean, truly no one achieves what Williams has, but even if you go one notch down, that's still very rare. The fact that people don't know who George Delarue is or Jerry Goldsmith, I think proves that, you know, at best I have a long way to go. <laughs> but that's not the motivation. You know, the motivation yeah. is to... Didn't didn't John Williams have your age now when he, like, basically his career started? Depends on how you define it. I'm still younger than he was when he did Star Wars. Um, mm. uh, well, there you go. But, um, yeah, no, it ha I mean, that, that's always, as a kid even, I would always say, you know, my heroes are, like, 70 and up. Um, you know, I was never one of those worshipping, like, teen idols and stuff. Um, Swifty. Yeah, exactly. Um, even, even the so-called pop musicians that I listened to as a kid, they were really, like, my father's generation. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, Cat Stevens and John right. Denver. And, yeah, same. Um, the Beatles, you know. Right, right, right. Oh, my Paul God, Simon. Yeah. I'm so out of... What is it like in the Simpsons school? Like out of, you know, touch with the with with the children. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it's uh, bizarre. I'm just not. I have no idea what's going on out there. I don't know any. Yeah, of, the stuff that's truly timeless kind of sticks around, and you yeah. find out about it. You know, and the stuff that doesn't will just go away. And mm -hmm. anyway, we can wrap it up. But I I um yeah I don't know. I I I like the idea of fantasizing that you will add something to this art form and make it better. But I think if you're motivated by an obsessive need to kind of be immortal, you're, you are going to end up going down that road of that yeah. Jim Carrey quote you brought up. Right. Of, the obsession is not going to let you do the things you love. When you chase the trends, you become invisible. I mean, how many influencers are there that have huge followings that One year from now, no one will have any clue who they are because they're they're chasing what's popular or right. they, the best version is they're not even chasing it. They just stumbled on to something right. by mistake. They put a video up that went viral and then they made a few more and those went viral. But, you know, the, the, the real kind of artists that have something mm -hmm. to say and add to the world, those are the ones that stand the test of time. And most of those folks, even hugely popular ones, I mean, how many... Grammy winners for song of the year. <laughs> Do you even remember? Like you look back and you're like, whatever happened to them? Who even yeah. who even were they? <laughs> like even in the even in that year, who were they? You know, right. there's a lot of those. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah, if, if that if that becomes your goal, I've met so many folks that say things like that. All I want is to win, whatever, an Oscar, a Grammy, mm -hmm. and it's like, what that means is that you're obsessing over the approval of the people that vote on that. Right. Uh-huh. Um, the, the, the um, I don't know how to phrase it uh, nicely, attention horism. <laughs> horism. Horism. That's as nice as it's going to get. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's true. There's some people that are very good, at, uh, very good promoters of themselves. And right. I don't say that cynically, like, that is a skill. Mm -hmm. You know, Bear, Bear is a very good at promoting himself. He also has perspective. His his work has a voice. You know, like 
um, he actually, I think, does good work and cares about the work. He also happens to be good at promoting it. Leonard, Leonard Bernstein was the same. Leonard Bernstein was a true artist, but he was also a showman who knew how to right. how to work a crowd. Right. It's a good skill. Not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. Like John Williams has none of that. He he he's <laughs> not shy. he's not especially yeah he, he I don't think it was ever his goal to be kind of like a a Bernstein yeah. style performer. His art speaks for himself. He doesn't yeah. need to have all that attention. Yeah. Especially lately, it was actually oh, yeah. amazing at that concert to see some of those older clips to see how kind of energetic he occasionally mm-hmm. would be. Big smiles and stuff. I'm like, wow. He, he was so handsome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's kind of got the Captain Picard thing where he, he basically looks how he looks today for about the last 50 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you look at footage of him in the 70s and he right, still right, right. looks the same. It's yeah, just, yeah. Um, it's just darker, darker hair. hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's yeah. all. Any other thoughts on... Um, no, I think this what is, we leave behind. Yeah, no, I think um, as we stare us, out at the Big Bear Lake. Yeah, it's a pretty view. I I can't stop looking at it. This nice clear sky, a little cloudy, but not much. Um, the rain was like for a second, actually. Yeah, that was rain. literally. It, it's in fact, it's even evaporated already off the deck. Can't even tell it did rain. And yeah, honestly, if 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 anything, I don't think I. I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to be realistic. I don't think I have like a big thing that is going to get, you know, I'm just going to leave behind like a powerful I don't know. I don't see myself as one I'm not an anarchist. I'm not a uh I just want to I just want to create and I just want to make pretty things and if people like it, that's great. And if not, well, I'm doing what I love. Can't beat that. Thank you.